Dennis, I'm back. I am recently returned from the mm. far-off land of tropical North Queensland. Ooh, wow. Uh, uh, truly an Odyssean journey. Well, it's funny because before we moved to Australia, uh, so we went to a town called Cairns, right? And before we moved to that, Australia... Right, we I talked- don't know how to tell this. That's in France. Yeah, it's that. Well, it might as well be. It's that bloody far. Anyway, so we went. We um we said, oh, you know, we'd love to go to Cairns or whatever else. And Megan's grand grandpa was like, oh, we've got family in Cairns. Make sure to go and say good day to them. You know, what do you probably pop up for the weekend or something? And I was like, Bobby, how far away do you think Cairns is from where we're going to live? And he's like, oh, I don't know. I mean, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm, I've moved across two states, right, from Melbourne to, to to the Sunshine Coast. How far do you think it is to Cairns? Given bear, bearing in mind that it's in the same state that that the Sunshine Coast is. Did you guess? I would say two further? hours. <laughs> what? How far is it to the to, to Cairns? About two thousand kilometers. Oh dear! In other words, so it's what? A, Fifteen hours or whatever? It's about from the tip of it, it's about from the tip of Scotland, right, right at the top of the British Isles to London, roughly, right. If you go, if you bomb it at 130 kilometers the entire way, it takes you 15 hours of driving. Yes, yes, it's a long. Did way. you so fly? We, we flew. Yeah, we flew. We were thinking about driving, <laughs> but you know, it would have been a probably three week round trip. Um, no, we went to Cairns. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful part of the world. Holy moly, tropical, warm, very humid. Um, but just so, and and the can I, mate, the the like the main area of Cairns, right? It, it it's it's built on a swamp, so the beaches aren't super nice. But where the water meets the the city. They've built a park with a free public pool in it. And it's so hot that you can just, it's just lovely to just go and like dip your feet and paddle in it, right? And there's lifeguards on That's from nice. six in the morning till nine at night. So there's kids like swimming and having a great time. And the vibe right, on the who's main paying street for the, is Who's fantastic. paying for the lifeguards? Well, I mean, the taxpayer, right? What? I don't, I don't understand. What do you mean? The That's taxpayer. That's what taxes are for. Well, oh, the what happens? Aren't... What happens if the, what happens if the banks get into trouble? <laughs> yeah, we got to got to make sure we bankroll the banks first. No, look, it was great. It was it was it was really lovely. But Dennis, I unashamedly with Megan in tow. Mm-hmm. Well, not in tow. She was quite aggressively pulling me. She along was leaving the charge. Was I, I was I was in tow for much of the trip. We did um we did a lot of very typically touristy things, right? Mm. Um, which is lovely because being a tourist in your own country always feels a little bit like uh. like if I went to Ireland, I'd have no trouble going to an Irish pub to like listen to Irish music being played and go to like the Cliffs of Moher and like drive around the Ring of Kerry and do all that sort of stuff, right? But for Irish people, it's like oh, I'm not going to. I mean, I'll go to Mallorca and get plastered. Um, yeah. Anyway, so we went up the uh, we went to Kiranda on a scenic railway, which was beautiful, incredible. Couldn't re- can't recommend that enough. We went snorkeling out in the Great Barrier Reef, and that was really good fun. But I want to talk to you, Dennis, about some of the very dangerous animals that we came, I'm not going to say face-to-face with, but like perilously close to, by choice, when we went to Hartley's Crocodile Adventureland. You went... (laughs) We Hartley's Crocodile Adventureland. We had adventures adventures of a crocodilian nature, (laughs) thanks to our good friend Hartley. This place is so incredible. this is this is a guy who has a ranch of some description, I assume, and a bunch of crocodiles. I'd like you to guess and how many crocodiles few... currently Hartley's looking after. 30, 40? Oh, my friend, you are not one but two orders of magnitude off. Three He has thousand... point three crocodiles. <laughs> <laughs> what a disappointing point, trip. Point three. He's just got he's just got the answer to the Yeah, the got no, no. Three and a half thousand. Why? 
Well, it's a, it's also a hatchery. And it's like a um, it's a, it is a farm. It's a crocodile farm, essentially, right? For what do you what, what do you? I mean, I know you can obviously buy it. I've had. I mean, I have alligator. I haven't had a crocodile, mm-hmm. but wait, now have I? Have I? No, I've had alligator. Yeah, you had alligator. Um, you talked why, about it on the podcast. Why? Where's the money in alligator farming or in crocodile farming? Um, I don't know. I think part of it is conservation. Uh, part of it is that's uh, fine. Part of it is like uh, sustainable breeding and all that sort of stuff, right? How I um, mean, how, cons- how how much conservation do they need? If some if some Hartley dude has three and a half k of them sitting around his back garden, yeah. Well, I mean, how endangered they, are they really? They certainly did need it for a while because obviously, you know, Australia not known for its showing a lot of respect to its uh, native species or you know indigenous human populations either, or really anything to be honest. The the people who first settled this nation, oops. Um, uh, no, they they you've seen, were, you've seen the you've seen the I assume you've seen the clip of Bob Catter being annoyed about crocodiles killing people but being pro gay marriage. Yes, he, it's very funny. He does an Oblivion disposition mini game face shift yeah. halfway through it. If you just look up Bobcat a gay marriage, it, it, it's it's well worth your time. It's about thirty seconds. Basically, long. a reporter it. asked this this Australian MP. They're like, "Hey, um, you know, with this with this vote coming up, how do you feel?" But and he was like, "Look, each to their own." And I think he says, "Let a thousand blossoms bloom," and he then does. his face instantly sours, and he goes, "But I will not stand for for Northern Queensland is being terrorized by crocodiles." He goes because so once good. every three months. Someone in far north Queensland gets ripped apart by a crocodile, and it's like, and it's like, all right, Bob, that's more important to you, mate. I understand it. Okay, fair enough. Now, I mean, luckily, Dennis, not, that doesn't that, that doesn't seem like that often. Well, for a year, he's he's exaggerating quite heavily because there even with a, that. Well, Dennis, I'd like to thank you for subscribing to Crocodile Facts. We're getting to this oh, section boy. a little bit I earlier. Stumbled I stumbled in. I was going to tell you. I had another anecdote to pass on before that, but we are getting into Croc Facts now. Dennis, did you know? I think there was between 70 and 80 recorded crocodile attacks in the last 50 years, right? Um, so basically one and a half times a year or so? Yeah, not very many. Yeah. Like zero is a good year. Two is a terrible year for crocs, mm, croc mm, attacks, mm. right? It's not, it's not very often. Um, that's not that lethal is, attacks. That's just attacks. Uh, no, I think that's lethal attacks. Uh, so the croc deaths. Yeah, croc deaths. I think croc attacks are a bit more common than that because they're just everywhere imagine, yeah. in, the, in, the, in the top end. Well, Hartley's um, going to be skewing those numbers. <laughs> oh, definitely. They'll be cooking the books on that for sure. Um, so there are, there are freshwater crocs, right? And yep. there are saltwater crocs. Freshwater crocodiles yep. grow to about three and a half meters long. And generally speaking, won't attack humans because we're just too big for them to eat, right? They're three, like, three and a half meters is extremely long. Well, that, remember, that's from nose to tail. So that's a body of about a I know they taper, but still. Still big. But like saltwater crocodiles, routinely the males grow to five meters, right? We saw the one that was over six meters at the park. It was huge, right? Like that is a twenty-foot-long crocodile, right? Yeah, incomprehensibly enormous. It was just massive, and they will go for you, right? No matter what. Did you know something very interesting about crocodiles? And this shouldn't really come as a surprise when you think about it. They don't have emotions. What does that? What does that mean? Hang on. What does that? Hang on. Whoa, whoa. Okay, okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So, so how do you do, hey, no 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 go, 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 go. how do you do a study as a as a as a as I to say as an animatologist that's definitely not the word as a zoologist as a zoologist yeah as how do you do a study to determine that because what is an emotion if not just uh, like a hormonal response to a stimulus well they, they respond and they can be conditioned to learn things but they don't have emotions like fear or anger or greed or they don't have anything like that and when you think about it like we look at a cat or a dog or any other mammal even birds and we go oh it's happy right you can tell it's happy right Mm -hmm. it's having a good time but we look at a lizard or a frog or a turtle and you don't tend to think oh it's that animal like you look at a small lizard like it's not happy it's just a lizard right and crocodiles are just very very big lizards 
because, oh, so. but because they're big, we tend to associate higher order thinking with them just because they're large. But they just don't have. So the reason I get to they this don't right, they don't have they don't have an Olympic they don't have a limbic system. Sure, they don't have an Olympic party, system. The, Try to get that one on a high jump, not, and they'll be able to do it. No, <laughs> uh, they probably do pretty good at um five meter dash. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty yeah. quick, aren't they? They can be very quick, yeah. But interestingly, like uh, you know, the, the, there's an urban myth. You say if, if a crocodile is chasing you, run in a zigzag, mm-hmm. and the cro- one of the crocodile keeps like you know. Is, oh, how to run away from a croc. And I was like, oh, zigzag. Everyone says that. It's always the same. Can I give you a piece of advice? Just run. You're a lot faster than a crocodile. Yeah, the zigzag is just, that's that's a, that's a myth propagated by crocodiles. To give by a big shot. crocodiles. So they hope they'll, they'll, hope they'll get you. But the reason I tell you this, Dennis, is because obviously the classic thing to do in places like this is feed the crocodiles, right? And Megan yeah, and you I, throw a steak into the water or whatever, right? No, you don't. Or on a pole. You dangle a piece of meat on a pole. And you make the croc jump up out of the water to try to get it. Mm, horrifying. Well, also, it feels it feels kind of cruel. It looks kind of nasty because it's like, well, you're just teasing it. You're, playing you're taunting it. it right? yeah. You're taunting it. And it was. I mean, I do that with my cat regularly. But if my cat, I don't know how I don't know how many cat lethalities there are in Australia a year. But I, it, actually, cat. I wonder if that's higher. That might be higher. But the thing is, it's not like this is what I'm talking about: emotions, right? The crocodiles don't get angry or upset or like they don't feel wronged by it. It's not cruel. This is what all the keepers said. Frustrated? No, but they don't even have that, right? Because I was asking, like, Mm. isn't this annoying? And they're like, they don't have that concept of annoying, right? Um, Because all they do is they're like, oh, I missed. I'll try again. Oh, they do have. They do have fear and anger. Those are more base emotions. Okay. Well, you'll have to take it up with Hartley, the, the staff at Hartley's, because they assured me they don't. And look, I wasn't going to mess with the person who was the keeper. Well, fight or, fight, fight or flight is fear or anger. So if a crocodile hears a loud noise, it'll run away. That's fear. I suppose so. I don't know. I guess it is what you mean is anger, right? Because they don't attack people out of, like, they're not vicious in that sense. Like, they're not doing it because they're malicious. Like, it's not like a redback, or not a, like a funnel web spider will chase you just because. <laughs> I love the idea that you're off. at this crocodile park, right? And then there's, there's this, uh, you know, one of them gets out or whatever and is like, flopping this like just absolutely you know you know they do the thing where they clamp and then they spin in the water and just shred oh, yeah. things the death roll yeah. it's it's got, it's got like a nine-year-old in a death roll yeah. you're like no 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 it's fine yeah it doesn't actually experience anger <laughs> so the crocodile's not doing it's not vicious i think it's mother's like weeping <laughs> yeah i don't think that it goes so well but the reason this came up is because um so megan and i we paid for an experience called the big croc feed and i'm going to tell you all the details I mean, about this down of course table. you would why wouldn't you that sounds like a bargain but part of it was we got a photo with a baby crocodile right and we took the photo adorable it's that seems great. way up megan's alley she loved it but i was patting the croc right because it felt it's got a hard scaly skin and it was only it was only smaller because it was two years old so it was about a meter long um and we and i was patting it i was like oh is this annoying it does it like it and the guy's like that doesn't make sense to ask that question about this animal, right? Because it doesn't have the capacity to find something annoying. It doesn't have the capacity to like. Enjoy. They're pushing that definition. If you start slapping it around, it, but that's it's what I not said. nice. I said <laughs> like, like, well, it wouldn't enjoy it if I like started poking with something sharp. It's like, no, no, but that's just basic aversion to being injured. Look, I don't know. The people at Hartley's, maybe. I mean, they are, I will say this: they're in far north Queensland, so maybe you know. Modern science still hasn't. They're still quite enamoured by the VCR, Dennis. So I hear disc. Oh yeah, if the crocodile with. feels sick, they drain some of its blood to balance its humours. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They, they they use leeches to uh, to yeah. restore the humours of the crocodile. Um, but it made me think just about how dangerous these animals and terrifying these animals are because we got to go behind the scenes. The keepers took us there. We put like literally half a chicken, right? Like just a, a chicken that had been cut in half, right? 
feathers, head, claw still attached and dangle it over the enclosure. And the idea was to make it lunge out of the water four or five times and then finally give it to it. It was actually part of their exercise. Like the, the, it's factored into their exercise regime because they're quite inactive otherwise, right? Um, and it was just like I took photos and that just having a five-meter apex predator lunge out of the – you know it's safe. You're behind – like there's nothing it can do to get you. But you, it's just one of those things. Is there a guy there with like an elephant gun in case things go wrong? Well, no, there wasn't. But I guess, I mean, you know, it's just trial and error, right? They just kept building the platform higher and higher until tourists stopped dying. Yeah. And then like last week they were dangling half a human leg and they're like, oh yeah, we had a mix up last time. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, a waste not, want not, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I did get to feed one of the crocs uh, a kangaroo tail, right? Um, for the, the first most Australian time. thing you've ever done, it had never had cr- uh, uh, kangaroo before, right? Um, ah. And so it was interesting because it didn't eat it straight away. It like well, it, it, it approached it with some level of suspicion, right? It and, smelled and weird. Tried to drown it. That's funny. You thought it was like a mouse or something. Well, most crocodiles drown. Like their, a- most crocodiles kill their prey not by because their teeth aren't sharp. I don't know if you no, but the jaws that. are very strong. That's it. So they what they do is they clamp down on the prey and then drown it. They hold it underwater mm. until it stops moving. And so it grabbed this kangaroo tail and then just held it underwater. And then eventually surfaced and was like, all right, I can eat this. It's not it's not <laughs> it's not resisting. <laughs> you know? I love that. Obviously one of the most dangerous animals in Australia, the saltwater crocodile. It'll get you. Um and it made me think about and you know the answer to this question, Dennis, and I'm asking you this for content purposes, not because not to actually quiz you. God, I don't remember. Oh, you don't remember? Even better. We can experience the joy of you relearning this, right? What the most dangerous animal is in Ireland. Oh, in Ireland, I do know. In Ireland, is, I think, is, in Ireland, isn't it cows? It is the cow. It is the common yeah. cow. Yes. Yeah. That is the most, that is the animal that causes the most human deaths in Ireland each year. That There's a couple of reasons for that. One, there's a lot of cows. I yeah, don't true, think that, true, that's just per capita. Th- th- that is true, but it's mainly the fact that Irish cows have evolved, evolved spikes and, and, and poisonous Yeah, breath. that's true. That, yeah, that's, that's true. They, have, they, they, they spit acid. No. Um, I don't know how a cow kills you. I guess it hears a loud noise and a couple of them trample you or one yeah. of them falls over on you or something. Or they and kick also, you like think, a horse does, maybe. And, and like, uh, it's mothers protecting their calves from, like, interlopers. Or, and, and t- like, like drunk teenagers or something, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, and I would say cow deaths in Ireland are, I don't, I don't know anybody who's ever been injured or killed by a cow. I guess I live in the city, but still the real, the real fact that that stat highlights is that there's no actual dangerous animals here. Riley, we don't even have wolves anymore. I mean, you don't have anything. We were to, we used to have wolves as part of, um, the, the, the tour that we went on. This was open to the public. It was great. There was a snake show, right? Mm. So there was this lady talking about all these different snakes and she's like, oh, you know, hands up who doesn't like snakes? And she's like, bad luck because they're everywhere, not just Australia. There are three places where there aren't snakes. Antarctica is one, unsurprisingly. Not not a lot of anything down there. Yep. New Zealand is another. And then famously- Just because it's an island and they just never made it over? They just never got there. And I was talking to a Kiwi about this because I was like, I want to confirm this. And they said, we're not even allowed to have snakes in zoos in case they escape. Oh, absolutely. We, uh, the third place on that list is, I assume, Ireland. And the, f- but the third place we is have, Ireland, yeah. We have snakes in the zoo. That's, come on. Get yeah. it together, New Zealand. <laughs> Get it They're together, being babies. Well, New Zealand Surely also- a snake 
Surely a snake is much more likely to like accidentally get on a boat coming from Australia than it is to. It oh, they, oh, they, they check. They check, mate. I was about they. to say. So Australia is obviously because it's such an ice because it was split off from Pangaea much earlier than everything else, right? That's the reason. I think so. Yeah, that's why we have such a even wilder different biome. Like you're yeah, the only yeah. place with wallabies and koalas and yeah. and all these different and not just that, all these different plants and all these different frogs yeah. and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it means it's really easy to introduce invasive species in there by like, treading yeah. in some kind of dirt on your shoe. You destroy an entire potato. That's, crop that's, or whatever. I mean, that sounds hyperbolic. It's not. Australian biosecurity is taken really, like, very, very seriously. If you rock up at an Australian airport internationally with a packet of biscuits in your bag, anything remotely or like, bi- like biological, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even, even like stones, right? Because they need to be cleaned. They need to be. They need to have not irradiated. Like, yeah. If you have, like, when I when I came through, I showed them my hiking boots to make sure I wasn't going to get in trouble because it, there's a certain line, and if you cross it uh, at the airport and you haven't declared anything, big big trouble. Right. Oh so, yeah. Well, there's a show called Nothing to Declare here that is exactly, and then there's like Australia Border Protection or whatever, yeah. which are just TV shows of families, usually with not an amazing level of English, and mm. as you'd imagine from the location, usually coming from Southeast Asia, who open mm. their suitcases. They're just full of food, and yeah. they're like, "Guys, come yeah, on, I can't do this." I remember we went through when we went through. There was a family. They looked, um, they looked Middle Eastern, right, based on the based on the clothing they were wearing. And the guy was angrily remonstrating with the border force about a big bag of what I presume was spices, right? It was mm. like this bag of, I don't know, brown or red powder. I can't tell it what it was. It was cumin or something, yeah. But yeah, bringing in like essentially spices, right, as you say. Um, you see people, I remember seeing a clip once of people that were, they were coming in, they were bringing seeds, yeah, oh no. Because they were using not. some sort of like Chinese medicine. No, no, and the it. guys were like, this is the worst possible thing you can bring. Yeah. And the guy's like, no, 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 I wrapped them in these banana leaves. And the guy's like, that's not better. <laughs> that's, not that's, better. <laughs> that's not better. <laughs> no, no, no. But you see, I sealed the banana leaves very uh, look, it's all it's all very, very secure and it's all it's all very sanitary. I used a naturally made animal gum, right? Used from the mm. I, I, that I made from the fat of an animal to seal these banana leaves closed. Not better. So what I wanted to ask was, so there's obviously that that pretty hard bio, like, you know, ecological mm. border around Australia. Is there a smaller version of that between Australia and New Zealand just to keep snakes out? I guess there must be. I don't know. But the, the, the thing is there are biosecurity borders within Australia. If you drive north, you have to empty your car out of fruit. There's a certain line across the, wow. from, uh, that runs east to west across Australia, and you can't take fruit across it. Weird. What? Why? Because of what? fruit fly. Right? And they, like, they just don't have Drosophila or whatever? Or they don't have it in they certain parts of the country. Yeah, and you can't take... And it, it's, it's a risk to like crops and stuff. There was a, a couple of months ago, there was an outbreak of a... Um, I don't know what it's called, like a disease, I guess, for, for bees. It landed in off the coast of uh, New South Wales. And the I don't know who's in charge of it. The, the the government came and just killed every bee within six hundred kilometers to stop a a, a clebidia outbreak or whatever. A clebidia, yeah, that's it. They got gone a beer and um and uh, every single bee had to be destroyed. All the beekeepers. I love and, the, and idea. the thing is, all the beekeepers are like, yes, kill these animals because we don't want to have to like we don't the, the, our entire yeah. industry will be destroyed. I assume it's just with out. some sort of weird like like pesticide or something. But I imagine guys coming out with rifles. Shooting at bees very, very in the small air, ones. Like, and they're like, "This is taking forever." And they're like, "I wish there was a, if, if if you can think of a better way, you let me know." Bam! Yeah. Like, <laughs> T- tying the tying a blindfold across the bees and get, get across the bees' eyes, giving them a little cigarette and putting them up against a wall. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but you're right. There is nothing dangerous here, and no. I mean, like, there's like I said, we don't even have wool. Like, there's huge tracts of forest and woodland and mountains here, like the Wicklow Mountains stuff like that. There's no mm. wolves there. Mm. 
the, the Green Party here has actually been petitioning for a while to reintroduce wolves to Ireland. Yeah. And all the other parties are like, yeah, that would be cool and all, but we have like a like a like a housing crisis. Yeah. We got, <laughs> like, I understand you want to introduce house wolves. wolves. Let's house the humans first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I look, mean, I don't uh, think Ireland. I mean, you know, there's never going to be a Hartley's Crocodile Adventureland in Ireland. I guess you could get what Seamus's big big house of cows. Watch your yeah, step. Big enter enter at your own risk. Is there any like badger? A, I've never even seen a badger. I'm sure we have them, but a fox. You know, foxes. That, that might bite you if it's really sick and confused because nobody just <laughs> run away. <laughs> dogs. Honestly, household dogs are probably yeah. the high up there. Well, I can't. I can't wait. If to someone come to has Ireland like an Alsatian, that's probably high up there on the food chain. Yeah, or the, or a snake that's escaped from a zoo for, for 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 until that snake is recaptured. All of a sudden, all of Ireland, the most dangerous it's the most dangerous island has ever been in terms of wildlife. I now I I, I assume it must, but I don't imagine the UK as having snakes. But I guess it must. Yeah, they do. They got like Dennis. Can I tell you? Pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. I'm sure are, these snakes. Absolutely pathetic. They're tiny. They're more like they're, snakes, yeah. Like. They don't. They don't. They don't have poison farts and laser vision like Australian not, snakes not like do. Ours, I'm no. sure. I mean, you know, you joke about it, but out of I think the ten most deadly land snakes on Earth, Australia has seven, and mm. out of the ten deadliest sea snakes, which are much much deadlier than land snakes, I think we have nine of the top ten. Sea snakes? Is that not the little things that monks would draw in the corner of a map when they were bored? What are you talking about? No, sea snakes? Snakes snakes that live in the water. Like a hydra? <laughs> what do you mean? No, like a snake, Dennis, that lives underwater. I know like, there's so an, an eel. You're being silly. No, I'm not. <laughs> right, I know okay. I know what water snakes are. I know what water snakes are. I would imagine there's being freshwater snakes that more than sea snakes, but I guess there must be sea snakes. No, sea snakes, they live in they live in reefs and stuff. They'll get you. They're so deadly, those things. Anyway. But I had a great time. Had a great time in Queensland. Um, had a fantastic time. Uh, really enjoyed going out in the reef as well. That was great fun. Just ten out of ten experience from uh, from go to woe. Cans would would recommend. Long way away. Very hot, but um, love it. I'll take you there. You'll love it. It's so hot, so humid. You'll love it, mate. You'll love it. Mm, mm, I hate that for me and for indeed everyone actually. Right, I'm trying to figure out what the most what the um the most likely to kill you animals in australia are uh i think i think it is actually an uh farmyard animals the i know what the most dangerous animal is in australia right you got you got you got you got you got to warn megan it is the horse yes it's horses yeah it's horses yeah more the That's horse. you, you, well, well you just have a lot of like ranches and, and outback and stuff and yes. a horse will kick you and kill you right exactly yeah yeah, yeah. or you'll like, fall uh, it's like it's like yeah you're driving you're it's you're riding on a six on a, on a meat car seven feet off the ground if you fall off you're gonna hurt yourself like that's what i'm making but all, all these animals that people associate like you know spiders and snakes and sharks and all the rest of it way way down the list like dogs are but, more dangerous to human life than than spiders in australia i think Box jellyfish are pretty bad, though, right? They are actually legitimately very, very bad. Yes, yeah, yeah, you can't, you can't go. And that was the other thing about being in Cairns: beautiful tropical beaches. Can't swim. You can't swim because if the crocs don't get you, the jellyfish will. Where is it that they have the horrible, the, the death, the death octopus? Uh, that's a, that's in the reef as well. Yeah, the blue ring octopus. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's it's very funny watching. There's a video of a, of a tourist handling. A, oh a yeah, holding one. Like, holding look, it. I found this beautiful it's octopus. It's tiny. Yeah. It's tiny and very cute looking. Um, and there's a video of one of a guy picking it up and you can immediately tell if someone is ever pretending to be an Australian, show them that video and see what their reaction is. Because if it's not fear, terror and abject loathing, they're faking it because those animals, they, if, if that had bitten him, he would have died. 
Yeah, well, it's extremely venomous, like 10 mils or whatever is enough. Yeah. It has enough toxin to kill 26 adults in it. Mm-hmm. And it's only only three people have ever died from it. So I guess that must be a relative. But like, also, there's no antivenom. No, you'll die. Like, if, if it bites you, you probably die. Like, there's, there's just, you, uh, I guess that's not true if only three people have ever died from it. But like, if you don't, if, if you get bitten by one and don't get seen to, you'll die. Your body just mm. paralyzes. Instant paralysis, yeah. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Anyway, Jesus, none of a crocodile at, at Hartley's Adventure Crocodile Land, so it was fun. Coupon code HALT at Hartley's Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> this episode brought to you by uh, Hartley's Adventure Crocodile World Land. I actually can't remember the name of it. It was, I think it was. I don't. I don't think Adventure actually factored. You sent it, it to me when you were going. I think it was Hartley's. Hartley's. It was Hartley's. Hartley's Crocodile Adventure. Jeez. Oh, okay. Hartley's Crocodiles. Hartley's Crocodile Adventures. That rolls off the tongue. I feel like lands might have improved that. Hardest anyway. Adventure line, yeah. Riley, mm. I want to talk to you about how I've um, handed over the majority of my media consumption to the to the fates. Okay. So, um, I'm in a book club. As I mentioned, we read some books, right? Mm. Um, I might have mentioned to you that we, Steve, Jeff, Nikki, and I do a movie jar every week. Did I talk about this on the podcast? No, you haven't, yeah, I don't think you even told me about the movie jar. So what we do is often Steve Jeff, Steve Jeff, come over on a Sunday. We're like, and like we used to play board games, and sometimes like, oh, let's just watch a movie. And then mm-hmm. you find yourself, you know, scrolling through Netflix or scrolling through the Disney worst. Plus, or the or actual whatever, worst. I, that, I, never that my- for for a, for a movie length of time and never actually picking anything. I think I think if Room One Hundred One from nineteen eighty four became a real thing, I think there's a good chance that. that scrolling through Netflix menus might feature quite prominently when O'Brien comes in. Yeah, it's horrible. So what we did was. Each of us chose five movies in secret, mm-hmm. and we put them, on, wrote them down on a little piece of paper, put them in a jar, oh, and whenever we're like, no. we watch a movie, we just pick it out and you oh, watch it. Oh, I hate this. Oh, I hate this. Why? Why? 25% chance of watching some Garbo film that someone else picked? No, dude. Why does it have to be Garbo because somebody else picked it? Oh, no, absolutely not. No, no. Count me So out. you'd rather filibuster and fight for your choice than just let someone else decide. Oh, absolutely. Two, three quarters of the time. Absolutely. Why would I give uh, you a level of agency from now? You're a part of the problem. You're the one prolonging the scrolling phase. No, no, because I know I've said what I want to watch. It's up to other people to stop having a problem with it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And anyway, so I've seeded a large portion of which movies I watched. To, can I, hang to on, chance. can I just ask one? I've got one follow up question about the movie jar. Is it mm-hmm. a physical object? Yes. Does it remain at your house? Yes. Dennis. Dennis, you got to crack that bitch open and pull out all the other things, replace them. Or- no, I'm not tampering. That's, that's sacred ground. Dennis, who's going to know? They'll know when we get to the bottom of the jar. Okay, they're like, I put shit resist in there. Why is it like, coming? Eventually they'll find out, sure. But hey, come on, let's just. Oh, come on, mate. We can we can rig this election. Come on. You do get some nice moments when you would pull out a movie and then you go, all right, Apollo 13, who's this? And Steve and I would both put our hands up and go, hey. Oh, we're watching it twice. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to watch it again in three weeks time. Let's go. Um, I did have an idea this time that I quite like. And I think you'll 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 hate this. And this is going to highlight the difference in in us quite a lot. Mm. I put in three pieces of paper they're writing with everyone else's permission mm. and do you know what they say mm. they just say cinema and when you pull a cinema we all get in the car we go to the cinema in Dundrum and we go four tickets for next starting movie please 
Uh, that's kind of cool because there's an adventure element to that, which I actually don't mind. The problem I immediately see is what if you pull cinema out twice because you'll probably be roughly doing this at the same time each week. You go to the cinema and you're like, drive home. The next movie. Oh, you guys, again, you liked it that much last <laughs> week. <did> you? <laughs> You're here for the that's 840 showing of Alvin and the Chipmunks 3 or whatever's on. That's supposed to, yeah, that's supposed to the 815 showing and last week you saw Alvin and yeah. the Chipmunks 3. Uh, and then, Riley, so quite recently, um, very recent, actually, about a week ago, uh, some friends of mine started a video game book club, which I guess is just a video game club. I don't know why everything has to retain the book club part. I, guess I think because that, that defines the nature of the club and the activities, right? So if you just said a video game club, I'd be like, all right, what do you do? Just play league. But video game book club means that you are, you all, one, one person nominates a video game and then everyone plays it. You discuss it. And you and I used to have a, our, our own sort of two person video game book club a little bit. We did. We did. So, um, there's a couple of people in this video game book club, and the game that I we played, Nikki and I played yesterday mm-hmm. as part of book club, is Firewatch. Oh, what a game. Which is a great game, really and it's good. a perfect book club pick. Very yes, accessible, not, not mechanically difficult. I think it's quite cheap, mm-hmm. and it, it'll run on a toaster. Yes. Yeah. It'll run on a, on a Samsung smart fridge. It'll run on a, on a Texas Instrument TI-84 graphics calculator. Exactly. Um, you probably lose a lot of the experience, but still. I... Um, so that's a very emotionally moving game. And it got me thinking about when games have elicited emotions from me in the past. And, mm. it, and I, want to, I want to talk to you about that. And I also want to talk to you and mine you a little bit mm. for video game book club suggestions. Because I got a little bit of time, but I'm on that list. And I got to pull something out. And I can't make everybody play Metal Gear Solid as much as I want to because it's what, like a 15-hour game. What was that? I was going to say, is there a time limit? Like, can you give them Persona 5 and say, and say like, see you all in 120 hours? There's no... I think there's an implicit time limit uh, but not they don't like 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 firewatch is a five-hour game that's yeah, that's yeah, definitely yeah. Uh, the firewatch firewatch and like gone home are about as short as you could possibly get in video mm-hmm. games mm-hmm. uh the next game which is a game that jeff picked no spoilers right is spec ops the line which is also like a nine-hour game or something oh dude all right you have not have you not played spec ops i have played i have played spec ops the line holy moly that game is intense i like i i really think maybe Maybe I'm being a little bit pretentious with saying this, but I really think it is just an incredible piece of media, right? Because it is, it, it actually utilizes, it, it, it does things as a video game that a movie wouldn't be able to with the exactly. same story. Exactly. Yeah. It, it uses, it, it uses what seems like a very well established genre of video games, which is just modern shooters, right? In a way that you really don't expect when you start. I, I think, like, the game is that old that I think we can talk about it. Basically, what it well, does. That's not, but don't, don't, because people who are in this video game book club listen to this podcast. Oh, okay, sure. All right. Well, yeah. I guess I'll leave Several it at Several of them, it, actually. I'll, I'll leave it at it deconstructs the, the genre in we'll, a way. We'll that's, revisit this in like yeah, three weeks. <laughs> it, it's not a good, it's not a good video game. And that's kind of the point. Yeah, anyway. so talking about modern shooters that did that, I remember specifically, I think I told you this before, mm. when I was younger, when I was a teen, mm. God, this must have been like 10 years ago now, when Call of Duty Black Ops Black came Ops, out. Yeah, yeah. Black Ops, when I, back when I used to play Call of Duty religiously after school every day. Um, and I beat the single player mode, which is a, sort of a, kind of a, you know, the, the red-headed stepchild of the game modes in Call of Duty games. Oh, I think, Black I o- I think the Black Ops campaign st- stands up pretty well. It does. There's memes of it still, you know, the numbers mason and all that jazz. Mm. But um, there's a twist at the end where uh, this I'm okay spoiling, yeah. um, where you you end up having been the person who assassinated JFK at the end of the game. And I remember sitting there going, 
I have to talk to somebody about this. Mm, mm, mm. And that's how you know something is like good and resonant with you. And you're like, I, I, I you instantly open your phone. You go like, you I know, call of Black Ops, you can play yeah. Reddit or whatever. Yes. Yeah. TV tropes. Yep. Exactly. So, and Firewatch, that, this is the second time I played Firewatch. I played Firewatch back when it first came out six years ago. Mm-hmm. But I played it again last night. Um, are there any games that jump out at you? As be as striking a chord, I don't mean like necessarily like made you cry or anything like that, but just left you go, whew, a little breathless at the end. Well, I mean, you can guess what the first one I'm going to say is. Is it Halo? No, Return of the Obra Dean, dude. I'm not that much of a Halo fan. I'm not in, as into Halo as you are into uh, Metal Gear Solid. I think <laughs> Metal you, Gear, yeah. no, no, Return of the Obra Dean, incredible game, obviously. I'm um, con- I'm considering picking that for my book club pick, honestly. But it's not it's not punchy. It's not impactful. It's just very fun and. Very rewarding, and I think some people will hate it. Yes, it is also. Concern. Yeah, I think that's it is true. a very crunchy, old school pu- type of puzzle. A puzzle game, yeah, yeah. But it's not um, just a puzzle game. It's a, like that type of puzzle is like a centuries old kind of like process of elimination puzzle. Mm. And some people's brains are just very find that find that really frustrating and not rewarding and fun. I'd recommend the game To the Moon. Um, to the moon a rich and sumptuous soundtrack at least is what you'll get out of it but it's a very very sad story Um, it's about an old man who's dying and there's some sort of technology that can allow you to revisit and tweak his memories and he Mm -hmm. dreamed as a kid of being an astronaut to go to the moon and I won't tell you how the story develops and but there's a lot of different narrative threads and they all come together and and it's just it's just it's very it's a very poignant game Um, it's quite sad um, so that's if sort of a narrative, um, a narrative focus. I'm trying to one think of like because like mm. a game that I played that is not narrative focused but is a mechanically very very good game mm. for like like Hades for example. Yes, um, there are some people who might just find that game a bit too difficult. It is a it, as far as roguelikes go, it is it is a roguelite. It, it, it's got a very like it's got a very easy mode on it as well. Oh, that's true. Actually, it yeah, does. it's got a it's got a. But I like, kind I yeah go. On. I might pick Papers, Please. I, that obviously that was the, yeah, that was made by the same guy, um, Lucas. Oh, Lucas is it Lucas Pope. Lucas Pope, who made um, who made Oprah Dean. So yeah, I, that that'd be. Oh, it is. That's one. right. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a good one as well. Although again, very sad, very depressing. Um, another one. Uh, this is probably uh, it's probably just way too long. Um, in terms of emotionally resonant video games, Knights of the Old Republic. No one's playing KOTOR, dude. Yeah, <laughs> There's no I know, way. No, but it's just like, oh, dude, the, the twist in that is just a gut punch, man. Just an absolute What's the time punch. to beat on KOTOR? Here it'll be like 40 hours. It'll be like 40 20, hours. 20, 29. Yeah. 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 Outer Wilds as well was another one that left me really- Oh, that's a really good pick. Yeah, 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 it, yeah. It left me like really thinking about things. Outer Wilds was really, really good. That's a really good pick. Actually, I like that quite a lot. Um, I imagine at some point you'll be forced to play Undertale, uh, which I did I have played not it, like. I, did, I, did, I didn't like it either. I, I have like a playtime of all. 65 minutes on Undertale, but I should probably get another shot. Yeah, well, I, I don't even have it in my library anymore because I refunded it. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. uh, Journey, another one, although that didn't yeah that didn't really hit me as hard as, as it has done with some other people. I like that type of game. Man, look, basically just go to Annapurna Interactive and like look yeah, at all the stuff. Yeah, I mean, Stray. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Um, we just played Stray as well, Nikki and I. Uh, yeah. But then you get into like Limbo and Bastion and Transistor and Supergiant stuff, you know? Yes, I would say Bastion probably out of all of them is the most emotionally resonant. I much prefer, tra- I much prefer sure. Transistor to Bastion. I didn't like Transistor, I, know, I, know, I don't know why. I just didn't like Transistor. I've never finished Bastion. 
Well, maybe that's I why. I tried twice. <laughs> that's why you, you didn't find. Oh, oh, dude. Florence. Not really Florence. a video game. It will take you about 45 minutes to finish it. You can download it on your phone. It's just it's just a store. It's an interactive store. I'm just I'm actually now I'll, I'll be honest. I'm actually just now on Steam Annapurna scrolling through. Um <laughs> Oh yeah, there we go. That is an Annapurna game, yeah. Florence is it's just a nice story. It's not uh, I I actually kind of has. I don't want to sound like one of those like alt-right chuds who is all like oh, video games are going black, blah, blah, blah. But it, even calling it a video game is a bit of a stretch because it's not. It's just a oh, these are, It's an interactive story. These are these are walking simulator games and a printed games. You I'm don't even get to do I've the walking played. in Florence. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you don't even get to do the walking. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I remember playing What Remains of Edith Finch. I did not like that game. I remember starting that. I think I refunded that one as well, yeah. It's a very boring game. Yeah, didn't have a lot going for it. So what? Wait, so what, not what's your shortlist looking like? What are you gonna? What are some? What, what are some of the ones that you're thinking about putting in? Or if you, I did you think just, about making just... Metal Gear Solid because it is readily available on PC. The first one is it? And like on yeah. GOG, right? Yeah, 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 of course. It's on GOG. Yeah, yeah. It's because they they released it on PC in like 1999, I think. Yeah. I think a year later or something like that. Yeah. So I didn't realize how rich that's you and your a friends shot. were, dude. Holy moly! Isn't it like seven dollars? No, there's no way it's that much. Hang on. Seven. I bet it is. It's seven dollars. Ten is, euro. Fourteen fifty. Ten euro. September twenty fifth, two thousand. You might just have to get them to play Metal Gear, not Solid, because that's only eight fifty. You can afford that one. Yeah, mate. This is it's an eight hundred and fifty meg game. Yeah, that's that's not a, a lot. euro per hundred. That's more than a euro <laughs> per hundred megs. <laughs> you could re- it's a we bad could compress deal. that just a little bit more. We get that on a get that on a CD. Ugh, ugh. But no, I was thinking about Metal Gear, but like because of how old it is, it's a little bit mechanically difficult to play. Actually, oh yeah, yeah, it's it's real. That that game needs a remaster, man. That game needs a remaster. Did I know? Yeah. Did I know? I know. Well, Twin Snakes is a remaster. Anyway, thinking about Metal Gear, I was thinking about things like I was thinking about a game called Immortality that just came out that you might be interested in. Okay, I'm gonna have a look. This, this is just Dennis and I now googling video games together. So that's a fun podcast. Immortality is a interactive film video game, and it's like it's like one of those old Sega CD games where it's like real film footage. Oh, there's an Annapurna game like that. What was it called? Um, her story. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, yeah her story is, is is right in the people also searched for. Yes, yeah, and yeah, yeah. you're like trying to solve the murder of this actress based on like by like cutting up footage of two unreleased movies she never she was in. Oh, geez, that sounds full on. Okay. Oh, right. it's it's also. Developed by Sam Barlow, notable other works, her story. Yes. All right. So, yeah, cut from the same cloth for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Very much the same type of deal. Oh, all right. So, what's that, what's next after Firewatch? Uh, or are you still, in, you have to discuss Firewatch now? We haven't discussed Firewatch, but next up is Spec Ops The Line. Oh, that's right. You already said it. it's already been, already been, Which already a game been I play, I played originally on up. my old laptop. Yeah. And that game is set, set in Dubai. So a lot of like sand physics and oh, I bet, effects. Oh, I bet the graphics processor would have loved that. Oh, I'm, let me tell you, the heat coming off the thing, very immersive experience playing that because <laughs> the heat coming off that laptop fan, boy. Oh, woo. Made you feel like you were right there. Yeah, of course. Right there in the hot sands of Dubai, baby. Nolan North is the main voice in that game, isn't he? I thought that was oh, weird. I mean, I assume that any male protagonist in any video game is, no, is Nolan North. You Have you watched Mad Men or did you just know that one Don Draper quote? Wait, what? Madman. Yeah, what's the quote? What? Well, you know the whole like I never think I barely ever think about you. Oh, sure, yes, the elevator scene. Yes, yeah, it's my it's my favorite it's my favorite scene of a of a of a TV show that I've never watched. Yes. Have you never watched it? I don't know. 
I've never watched um I've never watched Mad Men. I do know that elevator scene though. I find that it's- yeah. There's a character in Mad Men, Harry Crane, who's like in the show a lot and is a pretty like prominent um character in the show. And he just is the guy who voices the guy in Firewatch. So we started playing Firewatch, and I was like, who? Because I hadn't watched Mad Men the first time. I was like, wait, who is this? Hang on yeah. a second, what's going on here? And it was very weird to me. It's uh, you know who else is in is in um Mad Men like as a very prominent character, and it's very unsettling if you played the game. Who? Cole Phelps from L.A. Noir. Oh, of course, and he's like this long, like he's, he's this long limb, gangly, like nerd in in Mad Men, right? Yeah, well, he's one of the guys who works in the ad firm, and he like is a science fiction writer on the side. But he looks exactly the same. Yeah, and of course. It, as opposed to being set in the twenties, it's set in the fifties and sixties. Yeah. So he look he dresses broadly the same. Sorry, and one a second. bunch. I'm going to stop you there, Dennis. Out of Mad Men and L.A. Noir, which one of them is set in the twenties? Isn't Ellen Noir set in the 20s? Ellen Noir is set in the 40s or in the late 40s, early 50s. Oh, you're right. It is set in the 40s. I thought yeah. it was set earlier. Because he comes, back, he comes back from the Second World War. He comes back from the war. Yeah, yeah. actually. Yeah, never mind. Oh, look, in your defense, he could have come back from the First World War as like if he was a war veteran. But yeah, no, it was. He, he That's came true. I thought, so yeah, they're, they're set within like 15 years of each other, I guess. Dude, then. Get him to play Ellen Noir. That game's so I good. I could do that. Sentence them to 60 long, years though. hard labor in, in, in downtown LA. There's an the ending of that game. I think the, not in the ending. The final mystery requires real life geographical knowledge of the land of Los Angeles. Yeah. And I was very frustrated by that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that game's that, that that game was great. I'm never going to play it again. But it was really really good. When you start the game and you're like picking up cigarette butts in an alleyway, being mm. like, I think these are the same kind of cigarettes this guy smokes. Mm. I'm going to go to the store and check the register of who bought the gun, all, mm. all this stuff. You would not expect that it ends in a, a flamethrower foot race through a sewer, and yet it does. So, <laughs> Yeah, they took a, a hard left there, yeah. It, it does kind of feel like they ran out of runway on the on the LA, on the the LA story for L.A. Noir, and they, like, it's a classic Rockstar game in that it didn't, it, it just half-baked a bunch of story elements. Same in GTA, same in Red Dead. Like mm. characters come along and it's like, oh, this character's monumentally important, but we have no setup, we have no reason to care about them, we have no in, like no investment in their backstory or anything. But it's like, oh... Or they don't have a back... Like, at least Cole had a little bit of back... Like Cole cheats on his wife and stuff, right? But that's never There's fleshed out. There's elements there. That's never fleshed out. That's never explored in a, in a way that's meaningful or interesting. So when it finally all comes out, it's like, oh, he's had a big affair. And it's just like, all right, yeah, cool, we know. But it's weird because like I'm, you hear all these people talking now um, who are a little bit younger than you now mm. about how Red Dead Redemption 2 is such a resonant game and how Arthur Morgan is like the greatest character of all time. Like, Arthur Morgan has no character at all. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing at all. Well. I, not even an answer. No, I, no, no, I don't, I don't think Arthur. That. No, not a, no, it's not that. Because he's, he's the, he he's like the voice of reason in that group. I suppose. But yeah. he, he, well, that's he a character, because right? it, but. But he's the voice of reason and then constantly ignores his own voice of reason because he has to go along with Dutch. Well, Dasha because he has story. to go and do quests because it's a video game. Because if he goes, no, look, honestly, Dutch, we just shouldn't do this. And if Dutch is like, you know what, Arthur? You're right. Yeah, Arthur should Credits have like should, five five hours into the game, Arthur should be like, I'm going to take my shares and I, I'm going to I'm going to leave Dutch. Yes. I'm going to go on my own. And he'd be like, yeah. yeah, okay, fine. And then he dies of TB or whatever on a ranch. Fine. I've but been, like, uh, I've, been ah. playing, uh, I've been playing GTA Five, and they sort of hang a lampshade on this a little bit with Franklin, right? Because there's a bit yeah. where Franklin, like, <laughs> someone's like, "Oh, Franklin, I need you to help me drive this tow truck," and he's like, "Why am I doing this?" 
I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the <laughs> stupidest idiot ever to get behind a wheel. Why am I doing this? It's like are you doing this because I need to play this game and enjoy it. Like it's because yeah, yeah. It's a tow truck. We took because me. somebody worked hard on some tow truck mechanics and they got to put them in a damn mission. <laughs> exactly. So we got to put a string of missions in like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Make him play GTA. Well, Just you know what? Punish him. You you got these people in the palm of your hand. They're making you watch films that you hate, you can't stand. They're forcing you to put you to dip your hand in the movie jar. Punish them. Give them Persona Five. 120 hours. Let's. I go. don't even like Persona Five. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Have a Listen to This. We do hope you've enjoyed the episode. And hey, if you haven't, doesn't matter. The, the download numbers show up all the same. So whatever, suckers. But if you did enjoy this show, please tell your friends about it. And uh, look, tell people that aren't your friends. Tell acquaintances and even your enemies, again, that downloads show up all the same. Uh, and if you want to support the show, if you really like the show this much, you can uh, support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash have a listen to this. You get access to uh, behind-the-scenes stuff, early early access to episodes, all sorts of things. Uh, we are definitely in this for the money, not for the love of the game or anything like that. So head over to Patreon and uh, help us get them rookie numbers up. 